Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, welcome in Northern Nevada. We're hanging out here on the Strip TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. John Von Tobel is the company. It's Cofield and Company. So the big news here, and this is going to concern the folks in Northern Nevada because the uh, A's have entered an agreement to purchase land from Red Rock Resorts, Trop, and the 15, real close to the Strip. And the thought is, hey, they're going to come, but to build this $1.5 billion stadium, they're going to need some help from the state of Nevada to the tune of $500 million. And the way they're planning on doing that with initiatives and breaks, incentives and breaks, is a tax district, which we can debate forever, right? But we want more details on it. Let's see what it, what the big part of it is, right? We had on the president yesterday, Dave Cavill. It was a good conversation. I understand what he's paid to do, so he did that well. But you and I are both cynical by nature, and we also know baseball is a little bit weird, and the A's are very weird. A lot has to be done. And then the other part of it is something you brought up, and that is are teams just allowed to move? And all the other owners are like, good deal. Right. Like, they usually want something. Well, they usually want something, and here's the thing. Like, when you're talking about moving, it eliminates a potential expansion team, right? Like, this is going to, I would assume, be at the top of the list, given that pro sports or, you know, high-level pro sports are coming out here. I, I, I would assume that you probably have this at the top of the list of an expansion franchise, and thus expansion fees are going to be there. You're eliminating one of those because Manfred's already said, that they would not charge a fee to the A's to move if that was the case. But I feel like if you're the other owners, you're looking around and be like, huh? No. <laughs> like, we want that expansion fee. Why would we eliminate this? Now, we were on the list yesterday to talk to Cavill. It wasn't some you know great victory grabbing him. He was offered up to a lot of people in this market. Listen, he wants to come on and of course. generate some excitement. Ingratiate himself with the people. Exactly. Around Nevada, around Las Vegas. He also did a ton of national spots. I will tell you, the spots were a little bit different, though, in terms of tone and stuff that they discussed. I thought this one was real interesting. We got like a two-minute clip that was put out by SiriusXM, uh, Mad Dog Russo, who, you know, I, I think Mad Dog is awesome, but I don't know that he's always paying attention to what's going on around the country. He's also a baseball guy, and he also works for MLB Network, and I, I don't know, the tone in this was weird, but I'll, we'll play the beginning here, and something right out of the gates, I was like, wait a second, when he talked to us, it, he didn't say it was a certainty they were they were coming to Vegas, but, I mean, it really sounded like, hey, the door is closed on Oakland. Vegas is the one direction we're looking at. We know this is a sad day for our fans, a challenging day. You know, the possibility of relocation is now very high. Okay. He's got to cover his bases, but I thought that was interesting. The possibility of relocation is very high. Mm-hmm. Because when we heard him in this market, it is – hey, this is the direction they're going. Now, they need to get the money, but this is the direction they're going. Play it again. Maybe I'm reading into this poorly. We know this is a sad day for our fans, a challenging day. You know, the possibility of relocation is now very high. I, look, I think that is what we're talking about, right? Which yeah. is, it is not anywhere near a done deal. And especially, so I was... Be you know, careful. I was reading a piece in the San Francisco Chronicle, because I've been kind of looking... Over the last couple of days, I've been trying to find, okay, like, what was the problem in Oakland? Like, why could you not get anything done? And it kept coming back to, like, they wanted more money put into this Howard Terminal site and, like, this project. Well, like, I read in the San Francisco Chronicle, the city has claimed that it actually has secured $375 million in government grants for infrastructure. 
So what? Like, what's the problem? You have three hundred seventy-five million dollars for the infrastructure. You're allegedly going to pay for the one point five billion dollars uh, stadium. So where's like the disconnect? You're just sitting here saying like, man, we need that extra one twenty-five million, or else this isn't going to happen. So to the point of this is highly possible. It sounds like there's still something there in Oakland. I want you to hear the rest of this clip and kind of the tone of the conversation with uh, Dave Cavill on SiriusXM. There's been great memories here. We've had a lot of great memories. You know, Oakland will always be a really important part of our heritage as a club, just like Kansas City or even before that, Philadelphia. Now, a lot of people are going to blame your owner, John Fisher. Uh, too cheap. Didn't want to build his own stadium. Uh, had ridiculous designs at Howard's Terminal. Uh, defend him for a sec. People don't know that much about him, and you know how he's not Walter O'Malley, although people are going to try to make him out to be Walter O'Malley. Let me hear your thoughts with that. Well, I think it's important to remember that we really invested everything we could without really any budget constraint on trying to get this ballpark approved at the waterfront. Uh, listen, I don't have any problem with you making a move. How much money did Mr. Fisher spend on all these lobbyists and, uh, you know, consultants and all the work you did in the last, whatever it might be, seven or eight years? How much did the franchise spend? $15, $20 million? How much did they spend? We spent $100 million. You spent $100 million on this project? We did. And wow. we're still spending money. Yes. So this was an incredible investment in trying to make this happen in Oakland. I That last question, so I actually I, I heard this clip, and I was going to send it in too, but I, I noticed you had gotten it already. I, I was amazed by the last couple of questions. Blown away. <laughs> by the way, who's Walter O'Malley? Exactly. <laughs> like The only thing I think of is Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat from Aristocats. I have no Mad, idea. Mad Dog <laughs> loves baseball history and, and speaks like he's actually 40 years older than he is. Dude. When he said... A lot of people are going to, you know, make this into Walter, Walter O'Malley. I'm like, there's like hundreds in a nation of <laughs> 300 alive. million plus. Uh, I mean, not still alive, but to, like that <laughs> will reference this. We're not going to make reference to the Brooklyn Dodgers in this case. Um, although, you know, what? the funny thing is Tony Kornheiser kind of did where Kornheiser on PTI yesterday, I thought laid out a deal like, hey, this is what happens. And, you know, remember, you know, that's how. L.A. and San Fran got baseball and how this, you know, this city got football. And he was like basically tough luck. And, and the other thing, he, I, I thought he was, this is wrong. Anyone out there who's like, hey, the fans aren't showing up. They don't deserve baseball. Or Oakland hasn't tried. It doesn't deserve baseball. That is a misrepresentation of the facts. But, yeah, back, back to Mad Dog. That was a really weird spot. And that's a guy who I really respect as a radio person. And the way he and uh, Francesca cut their teeth and became popular in, you know, the New York, New Jersey area. And I listened to them, um, you know, from when they started and whatever it was, the combination of like 91, um, they would go at people. Mm-hmm. They would call BS on people. That sounded different than the Mad Dog I know. Oh, of course. That was not hard-hitting questions. That, that sounded like Mad Dog who works for MLB now, Network, as you we, said. To be fair, and I cut you off there, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Right? MLB Network. We didn't hear the whole interview. Right. But that that tone there was a, that was a, that part there was a little bit. How about how about you defend him? Like right. Wait, what? He'll he's, he'll do it if he needs to. Well, and, and so and that's why like an interview like that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth, right? So if I'm if I'm assuming, which it's a journalistic you know outlet in the San Francisco Chronicle again, I, I'm assuming that this is truth, and that as they put it in the piece that I'm referencing, every hurdle that Oakland that the Oakland A's were facing to get a stadium in this Howard's terminal kept coming down and kept coming down. So why are we painting as just like man we? Spent $100 million. Like, we've been trying, man. And, like, those are the things that kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth where it's like, okay, are you heading in this direction for real? 
Or, because we've seen Vegas and smaller outlets, but we've seen it used in the past, was MLS to use this as leverage to then get that last $125 million that you need from the government back in Oakland to then make Howard's Terminal actually happen for you. I saw a take from uh, Damon Amendolara, who does CBS National, on the angle of the fans. This is the fans' fault, or this is the market's fault. There's no interest. They're not willing to do what it takes. Because the easy thing to do is go, hey, they lost the Raiders. And... They lost the Warriors. Yeah, other places like us, like the state of Nevada, gave them a wheelbarrow of money. They gave them a deal they could not turn down for the Raiders. Uh, the Warriors got a freaking palace from San Francisco. I actually, I do believe the city of Oakland has done a pretty good job. I mean, it, believe me, it's been contentious along the way, and I think there's been a lack of trust on both sides. But to get after the fans and say, hey, there's no A's fans. There are A's fans. So Amanda Lara said, the worst take today suggests the A's are moving because no one goes to the games. This was the plan by A's ownership plus MLB. Watch the scam happen. Neglect the team, neglect the ballpark, then sell apathy as a reason to go cash in for a free ballpark in Las Vegas. It kind of echoes what Mark Davis was saying, right? Then at least they sat on it. They didn't let us do anything. That's what they wanted. This is exactly what they've been working for this entire time. And whether it's the free ballpark or whether it's getting what they feel like they need over there in Oakland, like it, it does seem like that's kind of what we've been watching here over the last few years. And again, going back to it, like if that's your take about the Oakland fans, again, one of the original points here is let's say they come to Las Vegas. Are they guaranteed to actually start putting money into this team and putting a winning <laughs> like a winning product out of the field? And by the way, it's not enough. Like, people people will bring up, hey, this is a recent development. Uh, Billy Bean and the A's competed at a high level. Uh, yeah, they did so, but they always kind of reminded you that we're doing this, being a bit hamstrung. Yep. This is a buyer beware case. There is no being hamstrung here in Vegas. If you come here and a $500 million uh, investment is made by the state and the county, they come in here and go, oh, we're going to bump the payroll up to $75 million. No, you're going to be a top-12 team in all of baseball with payroll. And we said it to Dave Cavill yesterday, in this state, in this market, there is a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar. And we are actually, we're not a big market. So there are limited dollars in terms of recreational dollars. So... Again, I'll, I'll keep repeating the same thing. I think a stadium here would be awesome. I think baseball here would be awesome. It has to be the right stadium. It has to be funded the right way. But, man, they got to they gotta win. You know, they got to win. This isn't some legacy city where, the you know, the, the baseball team goes back 100 years and it's like, oh, you know, it's just part of the fabric of the city and baseball is cool to kick back and, oh, it's just, a, it's just a bar. We'll just go out like in Chicago. And if the Cubs win, they win. If they don't, they don't. We don't have freaking 10 million people in the market. There's not zillions of dollars here to spend their money on. And we see some stuff has fallen by the wayside. When you don't win and you don't compete and you don't market the right way, I mean, I'm, I'm real, I'll tell you, I'm really curious to see how, and I'm sure in the arena it's going to be really good, but I would love to see, and these numbers won't be put out anymore because they're not what they used to be, but I would love to see what Garcia and Davis, a mega boxing match of this time, 
does from an economic standpoint, not in the arena, because selling right. tickets there, hey, get, getting your 19,000 and still having a gate or whatever, you know, 10 million plus or whatever it is, awesome. But what kind of impact does it have on the city and does it compare to what boxing did 10, 15, and 20 years ago? And that's a good example of, hey, times are changing and you may got a lot of tourists to go to that fight, but locals, you know, kind of spend, as things have changed, they spend their money on different things. And say what you will about the Raiders, like I would disagree with the track that they have taken, but it's very clear that they're trying to win. They're trying to maximize whatever they have as a roster. They're making moves. They're acquiring the best wide receiver in football. They're getting a quarterback they think that can at least give them a level of play that can continue at least some positive uptick in terms of their record. Like they're trying to put a product out there on the field that they think can win football games, and they're making splashes doing it, competing for the dollar out here essentially. Like that's if you're going to go out there and, and you know roll out. <laughs> a couple of these lineups that we've seen, and you're you're what? What is the most attraction guy, attractive guy in the lineup? He's on the IL. What? Ramon Laureano? Like, <laughs> like come on, you got to do something. As we examine this and we deep dive, do you think we're just in a very, very, very small minority with some other loud mouths on social media, or do you think there's going to there, this is going to be a like analyzed very critically by lots of people in the city and state? What do you think? Are we are we are we just the outliers and this is what we do and we're in our stupid sports bubble? Because I often think of that like, w- what are we doing? Are we just getting in the way of progress by trying to examine things closely? And in the end, we just don't see the big picture. Yep. Don't worry about it. I, I think it's important to look at it this way, but you could be right. I mean, who knows? So there's a lot of people who's just like, who cares? Bring it here, new building, jobs. Let's go it. Let's do it. Baseball. Because each time, one of these major league projects has been. You know, uh, on the on the docket, we've examined it, and it happened, and it, it worked out pretty well to this point. All right, rolling on here. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Let's bring in uh, Alex Faust, uh, play-by-play guy in the NHL, and, of course, uh, did last night's game on TBS. Uh, Alex, how you doing? It's Steve and John Von Tobel here in Vegas. Hey, guys. Uh, good to hear from you, and uh, sorry for a little bit of uh, scheduling tiptoeing that we're having to do ready for our show here tonight in uh, Los Angeles between the Kings and the Oilers. But uh, fun game last night, huh? Yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, I want your take on the game, and I know you'd have just a couple minutes here, so let's get right to it. Um, first of all, from game one to game two, the energy from the Golden Knights it was completely different, and I just thought swarming of the puck and then the play of Eichel and Stone was awesome. Oh, yeah. No, and you know what? To see Mark Stone back at what – you know, a lot of folks thought he was going to get to in game one. I think may have been a little ambitious, but, man, you know, the first period, you know, the, the Winnipeg controlled possession. They really deny the Golden Knights exiting the zone. Um, but, you know, once they had that big penalty kill, Vegas, uh, you know, once they started on after that, they really carried momentum in the second period. And it was a completely different game. It looked like a completely different team, uh, Vegas, and they certainly looked like a team that had the number one seed. Well, they need Eichel to play at a top level and need Stone to play at a top level to potentially win a cup. But I think what makes this team and the reason they had 111 points in the regular season is the work of some of the more unheralded guys. And a guy who's been with the organization forever is Wild Bill Carlson. I thought he did a good job. Kessel had some moments and and also Stevenson. Yeah, you know what, Chandler Stevenson, you remember when Vegas got him, right? Nobody really knew what to make of this player that had kind of been a cast-off from the Washington Capitals. And you think about how valuable he's been. He was tremendous in the face-off circle. Um, you know, he has a nose for the net. He has a knack for being in those those areas at the right time. Uh, I think he's the type of player, right, because he's been able to play with so many different wingmen over the last couple of years, mostly with all the, the injuries and lineups, you know, parts and pieces moving around. Um, 
when this Vegas team is healthy, man, they they have they have a really good top six. They have perhaps the best B in the in the West, and, and they showed it. Um, you know, there's there's. I'll be curious to see how Braden McNabb looks because uh, obviously he had a, a tough one uh, at the end of the game, having to leave. But uh, I think that team you know, last night was what everybody expected Vegas to look like. Alex Faust was on the game last night for TBS. He's got the uh, the Avs uh, series coming up for the next couple of games against Seattle. I want to get to that in a second. Do you think this is a long series with the Golden Knights and the Jets, or can the Knights take control of it and get out of this thing in five or six? I I do think they can take control of it, but it all is dependent on uh, their start, as we saw. Uh, but also Connor Hellebuck, right? You know, he he was sharp even in defeat. Um, he saw a little bit more rubber than I think Winnipeg would have liked, but they'll make adjustments defensively. Um, but it, I, I really do think it might come down to the goaltending here. We told the story on air last night of you know, Hellebuck and Brossois and their uh, connection going way back uh, you know, with Winnipeg. Uh, this will be interesting to see Brossois' reception uh, as he goes back to Winnipeg uh, you know, for uh, game three and four here. You're getting ready for abs and... Cracking are the Avs in some trouble here? I mean, that was, you know, just like the Knights, they got off to a rough start in Game One. The Kraken are a dangerous offensive team. You know, if Seattle plays with so much structure, right? You know, they're they're a tough out for everybody. We saw even towards the end of last year, even though their record didn't really show it, um, they're they're just a really tough out. I think Colorado having McCarr back, having Josh Manson back on the blue line is huge for them. And Georgiev came up with some huge saves. Um, in game two, you know, Colorado fighting back from a 2 nothing deficit. Uh, that would have been an interesting storyline going back to Seattle. They were down 2-0 to see if uh, they could pull off the shocker, but I think you're going to see a long series there as well. It just has all the makings of it. Um, you know, as we talked about, hey, if, if the, the Golden Knights can you know, figure out Hellebuck and continue to play the way they did last year, I think this Vegas-Winnipeg series might end first. What are they saying about Seattle with the, the environment for their first playoff games? You know, it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, we had a lot of questions about that. I remember all those years ago when Vegas played their first one. Yeah. I think they took a lot of cues in Seattle for what Vegas did and, um, you know, the in-house entertainment and uh, and making sure everybody's pumped up. Um, it's it's a little bit different building, though. The acoustics are, aren't quite as um, naturally loud as Vegas. So, um, but I, I do think it'll be a fun, fun atmosphere. Alex, we know you're a busy guy. We appreciate a couple minutes. We'll be watching over the weekend. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Sorry for uh, tiptoeing around it, but I appreciate the invite. Yeah, no problem. Alex Faust, uh, one of the voices around the NHL, the Kings, doing games for TBS and TNT. That is interesting. I haven't been to Seattle yet for a game, but I wonder what Key Arena is like. I mean, it's an old arena. They redid it. It's apparently beautiful. You know, they saved the roof as a you know historic monument. That was nice respect there for the the noise at the fortress. Right. Is it is it all real noise? Is there piped in noise? It, 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 it whatever whatever they do there, if it's the way the building was built, it, it when it is loud, it is ridiculous. And then they're they're always pumping in so much extra noise during the breaks, and it's 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 a crazy loud place. The acoustics, much like uh, a Seattle Seahawks type vibe, building the stadium so that it, it reverberates back onto the field. I mean, those things matter. Heck yeah, you know, we've we've gone round and round with our buddy Adam Hill about this. That uh, you know, when he goes to more traditional hockey markets, it may not be as loud. They're a little bit more into the hockey, but whatever floats your boat. So, I I, I like going to the Fortress as a fan because you're just the sensory overload. <laughs> yeah. It's just like what is going on? There's always something happening. They should pump noise in. Colts did it at the old RCA Dome. Keep doing it.
You know, it was an interesting discussion at the beginning of the week. We were talking about the Bettman conversation. So Gary Bettman went on with the morning show on ESPN National. And that's a, to me, it's a East Coast-centric show because of Jay Williams and, and Kellerman. Uh, listen, Keyshawn's a guy you know from out here, L.A. But they, they were so concentrating with Bettman on, hey, Northeast teams got to make Got to make runs in this. And I've been completely converted. Now half my life has been out here versus yeah. being in the Northeast. And Bedman kind of went back at him, and he's like, eh. you know, because they were like, what if Boston loses after this great season? What if they don't make it? We'll be okay. And then Bedman turned on basically like, I don't know if you guys watch your own network, but your own network has programmed us differently than, you know, say he didn't say NBC, but then we've been programmed in the past. And they really, what they want to do is have more markets on and more of the stars on, right. which I think is the right approach because this attitude, like you have to have Philly or Boston or New York in, like the NBA has kind of set the model. Absolutely. The league is designed to have great players in all markets of all different sizes. Are you not going to show, you know, Kevin Durant now because he's in, in the West, he's in Phoenix? Or... You know, Giannis is the best example because he's in Milwaukee. So hockey should be doing the same thing. And if that means that freaking Edmonton is featured heavily or Colorado is featured heavily because they have megastars, then you do it. Of course. Or Vegas. Or now Seattle. And also just the concept of, like, we need these, you know, we need the best team to be the best team. Like, well, no, I I feel like as, as a fan of a sport, if the best team consistently goes down, it means that you as a fan of your team, which is not the best team, feel like you always have a shot whenever you get into the postseason. I mean, that's the best part about hockey, right? When you even look at the, the betting odds for Boston to be as dominant as they were but still not the massive favorite to win this whole thing because just the way the sport plays out, it's good for your sport to have parity like that. Do you think the league, uh, the NBA is really mad that Brooklyn is probably out? Oh, of course not. The star-studded Nets, my Nets. Or like that Milwaukee is the best team along with Boston, right? Will the league do anything to Joel Embiid? It's already been reported they will not. The news is out, okay. Yep. So nothing. Nothing. Did you think they should? It, yes. They suspended Draymond Green. But doesn't this back up that the one of the main reasons that Green got suspended was his excessive, consistently violent behavior? I mean, it could be. but It's also, a track record. It's a track record. But what Joel Embiid did was arguably worse. He tried to kick a dude in the nads. Like, that wasn't just like a flare out, like, I'm angry. He was trying to kick him in the groin. That's literally a low blow. Like, you can't do that. So, like, I don't know how you can balance that. And then, Steve, later in the game, to watch James Harden, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he was intentionally trying to nail Royce O'Neal in the jewels, but he does when he's trying to separate himself from him. And he gets ejected for it? But you watch Joel Embiid literally try to kick a dude in the groin, and you're like, nah, flag or foul one. Let's move on. Like, I think that's kind of the problem, the inconsistencies with what we've seen over the last 48 hours. You feel bad for the Nets that they couldn't close that game out last night? Uh, yeah. That was rough. <laughs> I mean, like that's Philly's such a weird team, too, man. They, I feel like they're the perfect definition. Like, they're apathy personified, especially in a matchup like this where you see Joel Embiid loafing up the floor. Like, they're running in transition. Embiid's walking back. He's barely getting over half court with, like, you know, 10 seconds into the shot clock. It, it's weird. And they have these first these last two games where, like, first half, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's the Nets. Like, we'll get this done. Like, it, that's not going to work against Boston. Boston's currently up on top of Atlanta 20-15. to 15. They're just going to smoke you.
if you get them in the next round. Uh, speaking of Boston, the uh, Bruins take on Florida. 1-1 series after that magical season by the Bruins. They're not going to win every series 4 nothing, but that goes down in about three minutes here. Uh, 155 favorite the Bruins are on the road. Carolina and the Islanders. Carolina leads the series 2-0. Uh, this one is scoreless with eight minutes left in the first. Dallas, Minnesota coming up later on. Edmonton, L.A. as well. as Now Edmonton is on the road in L.A. to take on the Kings. Tomorrow, big day of hockey on the way with the uh, Golden Knights. Getting ready for game three against the Winnipeg Jets after the, uh, the win last night. It's a 1 o'clock puck drop. Ryan Wallace from Fox Sports Las Vegas will be on the road. He'll be at the M at the nighttime bar. It's all brought to you by Finley VW Henderson. It's tomorrow, pre, post, and intermission uh, at the M at the nighttime. Puck drop is 1 o'clock, so in the noon hour, Ryan will kick things off. Hockey theme bar. Great spot. they got a private area called the Penalty Box. They've also got uh, enclaves, uh, alcoves, uh, we'll call them, uh, in the back with uh, control your own TVs, great menu, a full selection of Canadian beers. There's a playoff pitcher special, half-off pitchers. Just ask for the details on that one. Ryan Wallace, Fox Sports Las Vegas, nighttime hockey bar at the M. Ice action brews. Hang out with Ryan and watch the Knights tomorrow against the Peg. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So John's going to give us an update here of Atlanta and some shooting numbers because I know you also had some for the Kings last night. We were just talking college basketball transfer portal uh, during the break and the fact that uh, another star of the Mountain West Conference is officially gone. Graham Ike leaves from Wyoming, lands at Gonzaga. You know, I told everyone right after we did a lot of Gonzaga talk because of Julian Strother being from Vegas, but uh, there were some claims that, oh, man, Gonzaga's losing a lot. You know, Timmy's gone. They're losing a lot. They're going to have to rebuild. And I'm like, uh, watch what they do on the portal because they got a lot of resources to use, and they're going to land guys. So they got the other Nemhart whose brother played there, but Ryan is moving on from Creighton to Gonzaga. It's an awesome get, um, by the way, for those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yes. an awesome get. The, uh, I think it was April 5th, I, I tried to take a guess at what schools I thought would kick ass in the portal. So one of them was Gonzaga. I was pretty confident they were going to do a good job. Their odds now are what? 22 to 1. Okay. So I got national title Gonzaga, and again, this is for pizza money, just to hedge next year. and that's I, w- I would never bet real money on this to sit on it for a year, but um, I got Gonzaga at the time for national title at 40 to 1. Yeah, right after the year ended? Yep. That's awesome. What do you think it's going to be? I mean, if they have the season that they normally have, they're going to be like freaking 15. Ins- inside of 15-1 probably. Yep. No. Yeah. I, I just I, they, Look, they're, this is what they do. They retool. They don't rebuild. It's a good program. Players want to play there. And like a guy like Ramike is a fascinating thing because when you watched him at Wyoming, and a lot of people who are listening to us now are familiar with his game, watching UNLV basketball, it's go watching, down watching Nevada basketball. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't forget where yep. ESPN oh, Radio right. and ESPN Vegas. Yeah, I forgot we were still in the four o'clock yeah, hour. Yeah, so like, and and that's why I think it's a fascinating fit, and it's going to speak to how good Few is as a coach, especially with those bigs, because you watched them. It's it's go down floor, give it to him in the low block, and let's see what he does. Shoot over a guy, hook shot, whatever it is, work. That's not what you're going to get in Gonzaga. And if all of a sudden he starts like running up and down the floor, playing above the basket, really fitting in, it's going to be something. But either way, it's a good talent to have. And even if he's a bench piece, think about that. Graham E.K., who is the preseason favorite to win Mountain West Conference Player of the Year, is going to be coming off of the bench for Gonzaga. 
Uh, other numbers for the national title. I know this is looking way ahead. What's Creighton now? Because Creighton got another Mountain West player in little Stevie Ashworth, a really good player to play point guard. Nebhardt out, Ashworth in. 30. Okay. Yeah, so I got him at 30, so they're the same. Um, how about Florida? Florida? Florida Florida has gotten, I think, four or now five players out of the portal. Pretty high-profile guys. I know they beat uh, Patino out for a player that he really wanted, and I think they're still on, on Tyler Perry from North Texas. You'll like this one. 70. 70? Yeah. I got him at 125 to 1. There you go. Yeah. I mean, so really quickly, though, in and my again, gambling. I, again, just basically just guessing, uh, I mean, some knowledge, that they were going to be aggressive in the portal, and they have resources. But to your point, like, you know, like, are you investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in these to sit for a year? No. But, like, you're just picking off numbers, and in a year from now, or, like, you know, less than a year from now, we're in the NCAA tournament, and all these teams are potentially, like, top five seats. You're going to be in a great position because guess what? Like Florida, if they are, they're not going to be seventy to one. Gonzaga, they're not going to be forty to one. It's a great position to be in. Have they moved on Boise yet for the national title? Again, this is a hedge move, but Boise's had a really good offseason. They got most of the team back, and they've added a quality four slash five in Cam Martin. They've added another point guard. They're in on some other players as well. They added a player from St. John's who's a six eight player. I assume they're still pretty high. Two fifty. Really? Yeah. Oh, I got robbed. What do you have? I did it before they added players. I got them 200 to 1. Okay. Well, it also depends where you shot. This is DraftKings. I got to get out of state. Go bet. Yeah. It's DraftKings, East Coast centric, so maybe not a good read. That too. Yeah. And most places aren't doing anything in terms of taking real money. So how much risk is there at 250? You know, they're not taking, I'm, I'm guessing uh, DraftKings ain't taking, you know, $5,000. And there are people out there who would bet that. Uh, if they really like something, you know, for, even just for the hedge. So, a little college basketball for you as the portal continues to Can I just say to steam along. DraftKings is great. Well, they're definitely the most aggressive when it comes to the NFL draft. Oh, they, they yeah. Look, it's an interesting conversation because it's high, it's very low limits. But what do you want? You want it up in low limits, or do you not want it up at all? Like it has a here in Las Vegas because there's nothing. All right. So, what are the Hawks doing from deep? Uh, they're finally starting to hit a couple of shots, but they are shooting seven of forty on wide open attempts in this series. So we got uh, Celtics 37-35 just into the second quarter. That's Atlanta in that series. We got any update on uh, the hockey action? Anything in the uh, Carolina Islander game? Nope, still scoreless. About a minute left in the first. Boston and Florida, they've dropped the puck. Uh, NBA coming up a little later this evening. We'll break it down before the game tips. Cleveland and New York, and we got Denver, Minnesota going later on. There's massive news today around the NFL. And we're in a sports book, and listen, we're on in Reno. You guys have all the, the legalized sports betting. It's the state of Nevada, of course, right? And we see these sports gambling stories come down, and then you almost have to, like, kind of fight on behalf of sports gambling. We don't have to, but you see stuff that is so stupid that you got to push back. Like I, yesterday, and I, he seems like a decent guy. We've had him on. He's a knowledgeable guy, but being from – well, the fact that Andrew Brandt is from outside the market – I don't think really knows a lot about sports gambling or Vegas. He, with the A's move, the A's announcement that they'd like to come to Vegas, Andrew Brandt, the former Packer uh, front office guy, said basically something along the lines of, you know, it's interesting. Pete Rose is banned for gambling, and now, you know, MLB is embracing it and moving a team to Las Vegas. And I just put, like, four bullet points and, like, yeah, Pete gambled illegally, which no one ever mentions. Like, he was betting with a bookie. That's illegal. Right. He broke the rules of baseball and bet on baseball. Um, I believe he bet against his team, and if he didn't, 
just betting on his team alters the results of that game and potentially other games. I didn't throw in. He lied repeatedly about it for 25 years. So spare me with the tiny violin for Pete Rose. And by the way, and this goes for a lot of things, and I'm, I'll, I'll throw it out now. And, and, and we're only on in the state of Nevada. I mean, we're you know, people are listening up online, but there are so many things said about the state of Nevada and what we do here and sports gambling, and no one ever calls the people here to get some right. expertise. They just make assumptions. You don't know what you're talking about most of the time. You don't. And this whole thing of, hey, the NFL is embracing sports gambling. Why the hell are they suspending players is a really fascinating topic because they, they nailed, what, six more guys today? Yep. Yep. So that was the story is you got six more guys, most of them uh, playing for the Detroit Lions. But here's the thing. It is in the rules that you can't gamble on other sports, and specifically what some of these guys got caught for was gambling like from or in team facilities. Like You can't do that, and that's a big no-no. They weren't. It was found. Betting on NFL games, it was just other sports. And so I, I think like when you're – because there, there are quite a few people who are like, you know, the irony, how can you suspend it for gambling when you've been advertising it like crazy? I, I think what you need to do here is tell the NFL, all right, at some point you've got to look at your own rules, and you've got to adjust it a little bit. I can understand, to a certain extent, not wanting players to gamble uh, from you know their facilities or anything like that. That's that's an understandable clause that you want in there, right? You know what? I, I like that rule. You know what you could do? Hmm. Well, what have you experienced in your lifetime? You're a little younger than me, but I have. Um, I have been places, plenty of places, where you can't get on gambling right. apps. Right. You couldn't even get on like Vegas Insider. Just blocking in your building. Right. Now you're right. It's the player's responsibility, and they need to know the rules. But, but the technology is there yeah. that they can block out that yeah. block out those areas. Um, so, but I, I think that's what I think the attack here is not like this is dumb. It is the the NFL should have a real conversation about altering their rules because you are embracing full throat sports gambling, and the fact that these players like Calvin Ridley is a different animal entirely because Calvin Ridley, although they're like 18 parlays and you know the odds of them hitting whatever, he was still betting on NFL games. You can't do that again. That's a rule, but. In today's world, where you as the NFL have a bunch of DraftKings FanDuel commercials and whatnot, you on NFL Network are starting to do over-under segments. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're starting to do that now, too. Right, and before, it was like this or that. Like, they would kind of dance around it. Now they're just doing flat-out over-under stuff. So, like, I think that you should alter these things where players should be able to. They should be able to bet on baseball. Should be able to bet on on basketball. They should be able to bet on these other sports. If you want to make sure that they still can't bet on their own sport, I think that's perfectly understandable. But I do think that that's a conversation that should be had while you're also in bed with sports betting the way that you are as a league right now. I did not see the explanation of why some guys got shorter suspensions. Why didn't they all get the Ridley treatment? Well, I think it was because of that. Like the, the magnified suspension was the guys who were gambling from the facility as opposed to just, oh, wow. yeah, as opposed to just gambling. Uh, outright on some of these games. Do you, think, uh, do you think guys are not informed? Like, do they not? Is there any possibility they don't know what happened to Calvin Ridley? I think they know what happened to Calvin Ridley. But as I said, so like the investigation, uh, they violated league policy, didn't vote or didn't bet on NFL games. Maybe they thought other oh, not NFL games were fine. Or who knows? Maybe they just thought they weren't going to get caught. They don't have anyone come in and speak to the guys every year. Steve. I heard that was a norm. Years ago, like it, uh, I'm not gonna lie, Steve. Okay, 
Pritch tell Pritch tells stories all the time, and Pritch is on Vsin, and yeah. John Von Tobel's here. Who his full time job is on Vsin. He's nice enough to do Cofield and Company here on a Friday, but. Pritch has talked about, and Mike Pritchard's a, a Vegas native, and he's working for Visa, and just recently got into the gambling game, and he said he's had kind of had to adjust his mindset because he he was drilled and programmed to not really touch anything with sports gambling for whatever it was from his college career through NFL. So like a good twenty years of gambling is evil. You can't do sports gambling. Like, if they drilled it in in his era, they just stopped recently? Well, I don't think they stopped. I think so there's a couple of things, right? First off, that was 20 years ago where the NFL thought gambling was evil and that they would come out here and measure the screens, as you always so famously say, right yeah. for the Super Bowl. Yeah. So there was a magnified thought of, like, oh, you can't have that near our, near our product. I also think it's just human nature. I, I should admit this. You know, as part of now, like, a bigger corporation where I work, I have to do a lot of, like, online training and stuff like that. The other day I had to do, like, training when it came to rules in Ontario. Do you think I was really paying attention to that? Like, no. I clicked through it, took my assessment, got the bare minimum, got out, and I didn't retain any of that information. The NFL players probably go through so much in terms of all of those things, information overload on what you're not supposed to do. I think it's human nature. Just kind of zone out and just be like, I'm not going to get in trouble. It's fine. 364-1100, We got tickets for the Battle for Vegas. We had a great softball game going on down here at LV Ballpark. Ticketmaster.com is where... You can grab the tickets. It's uh, the Knights and the Raiders. Uh, Knights side led, as always, by Riley Smith. It's uh, July 22nd, LV Ballpark. Great event. Home run derby. Uh, meet and greet. Softball game. Ticketmaster.com. LV Ballpark, July 22nd. Caller 7 right now. Talk to Ari. He'll get you the tickets. 364-1100-364-1100. So do we immediately transition now into uh, betting on the NFL draft? Because I'm up for it. Let's do it. That's what we do. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I have. Uh, I'm allowed to. There's been so much going on this week, and I really have been trying to track what's been going on with betting those, you know, number one, number two, whatever, all the way through six where it's available. I know Tyree Wilson has changed the odds from you know between two and six. What I haven't tracked it the last couple of days. What's happened to C.J. Stroud? Like, cause two weeks ago, dude. Let's go back three. C.J. Stroud was minus three hundred to be the number one pick. Of course. Then it became. You know, the thing that, hey, Bryce Young is going to be the guy. He went to 300, and I was saying on the air that day, I'm like, damn, I wish I had paid attention. Kind of, you know, you got to kind of play the market because it's based on information, and it goes all over the place. I'm like, I so wish I had C.J. Stroud right now and Young for a plus number at either one or two. And now anyone who, who like, I thought that was a coup. Anyone who had Stroud for either spot, you're like, okay, what the hell is going on here? Now my plus money is... Like, I'm going to get nothing out of this? Like, now, now we, do we have no idea where he's going? Well, here's the thing. Okay. So, because you said something, right, which is like it's based off information. The entire time, I, I love what we do with information that is given to yeah, us, right? Because for months, what have you heard about Bryce Young? He is the best quarterback in this class. It, it's been told to us, screamed in our face for months, even since the start of the beginning of the year of the college football season, Okay. And yet we get to this point where we almost outthink ourselves, and it's like, you know, Frank Reich really likes 6'4 quarterbacks. It's got to be C.J. Stroud. It's like you're basing that off of absolutely nothing when all the information you really have is that Bryce Young's awesome, that he could be Patrick Mahomes, that every NFL evaluator is screaming in your face, this guy could be great. And I'll go back to last year, Steve. Every single talent evaluator in the NFL said, these quarterbacks suck. 
none of them would be first-round picks in any other draft. And guess what? None of them were. So, like, I love what we do with information because everybody's surprised now that Bryce Young is this odds-on favorite and every indicator is that he's going to go. When I'm sitting back and going, every indicator before told us he was the best guy. So what's so surprising about this? And I, But I think we just get wrapped up in it. There's a lot of different stuff. At one point, Anthony Richardson, after the combine, or even during the combine, was favored to go number one overall yeah. before, I should, have, I should say it like this, had more likely odds to go before C.J. Stroud at number one overall, right? Like, this is what we do. We get wrapped up in all of this when you can actually kind of just look at the information around you and go, oh, yeah. Like, it's the meme. Like, I always make fun. You know the meme with the two astronauts and the one's got the gun to the back of his head and he's looking at the moon. And he's like, you know, it was, it was X all along. And the guy behind him goes, it always was. Like, it's, it's <laughs> always been the same thing. But, it, but we just choose to take this information how we want when in reality it's kind of staring you in the face the entire time. So is there some value now for Stroud to slide? I mean, it, this is total guesswork at this point. Right. And that's why I also like the thought of sliding, right? I think all of these teams have had these players where they've been at. We are just finding out the information now. Like, we as a collective are behind on the information. So it's perceived as sliding wow. when, when in reality <laughs> – you talk to a bunch of people, you listen, and they're like, C.J. Stroud and the Ohio State offense, we're just not entirely sure if that's going to translate to the NFL. The Raiders, to bet the Raiders' exact player pick at seven is worthless. By these numbers? What do you got? Well, Christian Gonzalez is 275. Devin Witherspoon is 3-1. to one. Paris Johnson's 3-1. to one. Uh, Skaronsky is 550. Tyree Wilson, 750. Will Levis is 10. C.J. Stroud's 11. Anthony Richardson's 11. You, 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 there's nothing there. Right. What are you going to bet? I mean, you're guessing. Yep. That's all you're doing. And, and actually, it's like, so like Steve, I would say, because a lot of people balk at this kind of stuff, you could make the argument that Bryce Young at minus 1,600 is the best value bet on the board. Every bit of information is telling you that he's going to be the first overall pick. Yep. Now, I know there's some who are like, I don't believe it. And it's like, why, why wouldn't you? Why would you? Why would you push back on that? But This has become lunacy. It is. Because we're all well, grasping my, at straws when it comes to information on the draft. My advice would be, if you see a minus... On any player in the top seven, I know, let's see, they, I know they were only offering through six. Well, they're offering a lot now. They expanded this menu big time yep. all the way down to uh, nine or ten. But at six, Devin Weatherspoon is a minus number. Who who would, who would has the information to be able to lay 120 on Look, a player at six. At six! Because here's the thing. With, with the possibility that there's player movement, like team movement with trades. Right. Well, and that's the thing. So not only at minus money at number six, but what other information? Because not only do you have to have the Lions at number six, you have to have the information that the Lions are going to take him, right? You also have to have the information that the five other teams <laughs> yeah, aren't going to take him either. Like, how do you know that? How in the world do you know it at this point in the process? There's no way you could theoretically go through each one of the top five teams and go, nope, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be there at number six, and they're going to take him. Like, I get that it makes sense, right? Because you would think that whatever you want is whatever order quarterbacks are the top five, Jalen Carter maybe at number five to the Seattle Seahawks, like all of those things make some sense. We don't know that. CSPN Las Vegas, CSPN Reno hanging out at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Happy hours going on right now. We got the hockey games and the NBA games on 55-plus TVs. This is Probably the number one sports bar in the world in terms of memorabilia. Mr. Ruffin has just outrageous stuff here. Really cool place to hang out. Sportsbook, also a betting kiosk to work. So come on down to the TI where parking is always free for locals. The hour is also brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, offices in Henderson and Reno and Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766 
1400 is the number 775 in the north 702 down here thanks to battleborn injury layers we're coming back we're going to talk to another one of our football insiders the former oakland raider stanford route